So it is great to see you, and thanks everyone for being here. My name's Rob, and um, it is my joy to bring us into the Word of God again this morning. Um, all joking aside, and I'll try not to bring it up too much, but you know, I'll do anything for a good sermon illustration. The point of the message to d- today is I would like at least a hundred of you to go into your week asking the Holy Spirit to fill your week full of events that feel exciting and fruitful and remind you that you're very useful to the Lord. Okay, this is my goal. I've got some little sheets of paper here that we're going to talk about during the message. There's a bunch there by the tithe thing. You can just drop your second tithe into the basket while you pick one of these things up. And there's some more tithing baskets over here with some little sheets that I'll introduce to you in a second. And there's also a pile at the Welcome Center. And I would be so happy if a hundred of these things disappeared and you took it with you and put it someplace you would find to remind you to ask the Holy Spirit to do stuff in your life and with you. But before we get there, we're going to look at part of the life of a guy named Philip and how God used him in the midst of big-time crisis to spread the kingdom. And the whole point is you too. Because Philip's a bit of a nobody in the church, but he was in the midst of the biggest crisis that had ever hit the church up to this point, and he did some awesome good work by the power of the Spirit. And I would like that for us too. So Lord, help me today. Today's message is called Led by the Spirit Today. Why don't we read the whole story together? I'll read it. You can follow along here or in your Bible. And then that should set us up. These are the very words of God. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, which means somebody who's had their testicles surgically removed, a court official. I'm just, this is a true fact church, right? A court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before the shearer is silent, he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Good response. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So the big idea today is um, 
if you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. This is a true fact. Yet not everybody lives up to their full potential in the Spirit, so the Bible also tells us to fan into flame the gift of God that is in us. But the big message today is, like, if you have the Spirit, you are equipped to be fruitful in the midst of crisis. People are sometimes asking me again, what if the government wants to shut everything down again? You know what I mean? Uh, it's the fall and people are barfing all over the place. And what if, what if they want to shut us down again? And people are wondering what we're going to do as leaders. And what I typically say is, I, I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. Um, but I do know my heart as a leader is for you to have so much faith in Christ in you in the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, that no matter what happens next or what we decide, you're not going to throw your faith away, but instead believe that whatever situation you find yourself in, the Holy Spirit can use you to spread the kingdom. I would rather you be full of faith for that than me to have the perfect plan to offer you to make you feel covered and comfortable and safe and secure right now. Because who knows what's going to happen next? I'm in like planning PTSD. I've talked about this before. I don't even plan what I'm having for dinner tomorrow because something's going to happen and we're going to all be eating Little Caesars. <laughs> so going back to the story of Philip, if you remember Acts, and I think we may have talked about Philip before, Philip's, Philip was, um, in one sense, he was just like a, a faith-filled nobody. Philip's role in the church was to help some of the widows get the meals on wheels. He was their church door dash guy. Because there was a complaint that some of the Greek-speaking widows were being ignored as the church was handing out food to these widows. And the response from the apostles to this complaint about these neglected widows was, why don't you give us a bunch of spirit-filled guys and they can take care of this. And they, they gave um, a bunch of people all with interestingly Greek names. And Stephen and Philip are two of these seven, I think it's seven folks, who have more stories in the book of Acts. So this is him. He's, he's on the coffee team. This is Philip. He's on the visiting the sick people team. Which something that we might, as church people, think is like low-level contribution. Right? Don't got a big title, don't got some of the big names. This is a low-level contribution stuff. So one of the things I like about talking about Philip is that he's the you-don't-have-an-excuse guy. He's the you-don't-get-to-say-apostles-and-elders-pastors-up-here-and-then-the-rest-of-us-down-here guy because whatever Philip did, he did as somebody who just delivered food to widows as his role in the church. So he's the no excuses guy. We need no excuses people in our lives, don't we? Because sometimes we like to like count ourselves out. Because if you don't count yourself out, then maybe God will actually use you, which might be stressful. And I'm already anxious. So if I think that God might use me for more, that seems like just inviting more anxiety into my life. And so let's just shut this thing down. But instead, I'd like us to have another vision, which would be, wouldn't it be amazing and isn't it exciting to know that no matter what you're in, if you have faith that the Holy Spirit is in you, he can help you do something great. No matter 
what airplane he throws you out of with or without a parachute. Okay, so the immediate circumstance of this story is this. A chapter or two before, Stephen unleashes one of the greatest sermons of all time. The church is young. It went from the 120 people in the upper room getting the Holy Spirit on them in the day of Pentecost to the, like, they had the 3,000 people in a day and the church is growing. So it's young and it's growing, but it's still pretty small, like thousands of people. Today, we're in the billion-ish, billion and a half mark for people who at least officially say that Jesus is Lord. So it's really funny how, like, uh, chased around the world we can feel as Christians when Christianity still is the biggest group of people in the world right now. Like, people who believe that Jesus is Lord is the biggest group of people in the world. But we, but we still have this, like, defeatist attitude in our head. Like, maybe now it will stop working, even though it went from 120 people to 1.5 billion people. I don't know their hearts, but officially. But maybe, maybe our generation is the one when it will stop working. I don't know. So anyhow, Stephen unleashes this massive sermon that has some sharp criticisms for the leaders in Jerusalem. And the response is that they stone him and it invites the first major persecution of the church in church history. And the leaders are getting chased out of Jerusalem. And Philip is one of these guys chased out of Jerusalem because the... the uh, Future Apostle Paul, a guy named Saul, is out there arresting Christians and getting them condemned and put to death. So this is how we meet Saul, turn into the Apostle Paul, who writes about half the New Testament. He, he comes on the stage as like a hardcore Christian killer, and he's chasing the Christians out of Jerusalem and then hunting them outside of Jerusalem, wherever they went. And here's Philip on the lamb. And so... So this is where I talk about a situation of crisis. This was a crisis in the church. The, the church was building itself up in love, and now all their community groups are like, I'm leaving town, or I'm going into hiding, or don't, don't talk to me, don't, don't, don't text me, don't FaceTime me, you know. So they're, they're being persecuted. And so the church is in crisis. Not only this, Philip is dealing with personal loss. He and Stephen were brothers. They were on the old old widow team. You think they didn't love each other and know each other? They were going hard for Jesus together. They knew each other. Their Christian experience had like daily encounters with each other. They were tight. And Stephen's dead. And in the previous chapter, it says when Stephen was killed, there was great lamentations in the church. This was one of the sons of the church. And he was publicly murdered for his faithfulness to Jesus. So it's a crisis. There's real persecution. Christians are really being killed. Philip has really been chased out of his home. He's on the run. But he's been going and telling Jesus about, telling people about Jesus, and he kind of planted a church earlier on in this chapter. And the apostles came down, and then there's that interesting story with Simon, who's like, how much money so I can buy the Holy Spirit? And Peter, who um, 
hasn't done any sensitivity training at his workplace, just says, you and your money can both go to hell, and Simon's like, oh, maybe not, you pray for me. But just like, look at a day in the life of Philip, who had every reason to be bitter. Right? Like, imagine this is us. Your favorite pastor got killed. You can't go to your church anymore. You're stuck living in, I don't know, what city don't people around here want to... I, I don't want to name a name. Because some of you be like, this is my first time visiting the church and I'm from that place. And I'm like... <laughs> Cherryville. I'll pick some place from BC. That was the place where it's like, you're from Cherryville, when I, where we grew up. There's always that place. And they're always great people. So he's off in some place he doesn't necessarily want to be, can't go home, people trying to kill him. Would you fall into the temptation to be bitter against the Lord for having failed you and resentful against your brothers and sisters for not sticking with you or beginning to quit like this wasn't what you signed up for and you expected more comfort, more peace, more success for your business to be growing, for you not to get sick, not feel under threat and have your regular bed to sleep in at night. Of course I would, which is why I know that at least one of you might halfway feel the same thing. Well, what instead happens to him? Point number A. It's a joke. Number one. Well, an angel comes and meets him. That's kind of cool. Comes and talks to him. And then number two, he, he obeys the angel, and then the Holy Spirit talks to him. And then number three, uh, a guy who's had an irreversible medical procedure talks to him. And then they have a traveling Bible study, because there's this, he's, it just happens to so be in the miracle passage that you get to talk about Jesus about. And then the guy wants to get baptized spontaneously, and they do that. And then all of a sudden, Philip is not there anymore, but is in another town. That's like Philip's mourning. He did in a morning what many of us might like spend a whole lifetime being like, well, hoping you could add up cool stories. And I think the issue was and is God had a man who wanted to be used by the Holy Spirit today, even in the midst of multiple crises. You too. Us too. We too. You too. Us too. We too. I've just named three cool band names. One of them's taken already. You can have the other ones. Same God. Don't sing a song, I'm calling on the God of Jacob and I'm calling on the God of David and then count yourself out. Just stand there thinking, no, no, it's not the same, not the same. Well, it isn't the same because we have more Holy Spirit than those guys had in the, back, in the Old Testament times. The same but turned up to 11. So, I, I got like one point today. What have you let into your head 
that keeps you from waking up in the morning and believing Jesus when he said, if you believe in me, out of your heart will flow a river of living water. If you don't have that river of living water flowing out of your heart, I believe the problem is we aren't believing in Jesus. That's how the math works. That's the calculus. That's the x 4x plus 2y equals river of living water. Are you believing in him? Or has something happened or you're missing what the Bible says in such a way that you count yourself out? Because we could be under the worst persecution. And I, you guys could be watching my funeral online not because of COVID, but because you don't want to get arrested at the funeral because the gov's really going hard after us. And we could all have been chased out of Steinbeck and are living in Winnipeg or something like that. And everything that we could have counted on to say that we have strength and confidence in this life could be taken away from us. And our experience could be waking up to an angel and then being led by the Spirit and then having a Bible study and then getting teleported to another town. Maybe. I don't know. It's just Philip, though. Did he even see Jesus? Who knows? It's just some no-name Philip. Now, there is a reason why I'm kind of pushing on this crisis thing. And I only saw this yesterday morning, but it's so fascinating to me that when Philip goes and starts talking to the eunuch, pause, there are many people today who are being told that if they themselves also choose to become eunuchs, all of their social and emotional problems will go away and they'll feel better than they've ever felt before and they'll be at peace with themselves and it's just not true. However, if you meet one of these people who have chosen to become eunuchs, Remember that Philip happily jumped in his chariot to talk about Jesus. End of pause. They're reading the book of Isaiah and this chapter that their passage that is quoted, they take the time to quote. They don't just say he was reading it. They want to quote it. It says in verse 33, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. When Jesus came to the world, He deserved every good thing. He never did anything wrong. He was perfectly good. And when he started his ministry, all he did was good things. Need some food? There's some food. You sick? No, you healthy. You you dead? No, you alive. Like, he just went around doing good things. And not only that, by birth he was the king of Israel. And by nature, though he kind of kept it secret, he was also their creator. And so by right, he had the right to just constant good things from everyone around him. You know what I'm talking about? He never earned any mistreatment. He never earned his rejection. Even that one time when he scrambled away from mom and dad and made them hunt for him for three days. Don't do that. Uh, And then he got corrections. He submitted to their authority as parents. Even though he, he made them. But he still submitted to them. Even though he could have said to them anything with a word of power. And he has the power of life and death over his mom and dad. He could have just said, well, I don't think you should be alive anymore. And they wouldn't be. Submits to them. 
But Isaiah prophesying about Jesus says this is Jesus' experience of life. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. So instead of just getting worship and just getting believed on and just getting obeyed and just having the celebration he deserved as the Savior, Messiah, King of the Jews, they arrested him wrongly and they tortured him wrongly and they false trialed him and they beat him and they tortured him and they hung him and they killed him. They humiliated him with injustice. And the heart of Christ's response was, if you remember from the Gospels, hanging there, bleeding, suffocating, naked, being mocked by all the people around him. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And into your hands I commit my spirit. And because in the midst of Jesus' humiliating injustice, He said, I accept this from God's hand today so that I can have power from God tomorrow. We have a gospel. We have this good news that when Jesus was being mistreated, he didn't just hang on the cross and say, you know, forget this noise. You're all dead and we all die. Or forget this suffering. You're all going to hell and we all went to hell. He said, I choose to forgive you sinners. And I purchase with my blood the forgiveness of everyone who will ever come to me and take me as Lord and friend and Savior and boss. And through my death, I put death to death. And when I come back to eternal life, I purchase for all my people their eternal life. And I'm going to go back up to heaven. And from the throne of heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit with power to everyone who has received me so that they won't just live a life of nice words and nice interactions actions, but a life of supernatural power that overcomes every crisis that comes their way. Because he said yes to the humiliation and injustice and said, God, in the midst of everything going wrong, give me more power so I can give it to my people and give me more authority so I can give it to my people and give me overcoming grace so I can give it to my people. True fact. Can I get an amen somewhere? It only counts if it comes from the back row. There we go. Thank you, my friend. You can have another coffee. Next Sunday morning. And I think Philip got this. Every good thing Philip had in this life came through Jesus in his humiliating injustice saying yes to it for the life of God to come through him. And so Philip being chased wrongly, being hunted wrongly, best friend killed wrongly, all the humiliating injustice. I mean, just think, Philip is ministering to a guy who just went to Jerusalem to worship God, which is exactly where Philip can't go. And instead of being bitter about it, I wish I could go to Jerusalem and worship like you just did. He's too busy listening to the angels and the Holy Spirit and looking for opportunities to lead whoever to Jesus. I feel a little bit funny talking about like angels talking to people at church because... I don't know if I've ever had interactions with angels. You never know. I think Gray's got a good story about 
a guy with a rope and saving people's lives and then disappearing himself, which, of course, it could have just been an Azotus trick. You know, it's like a real person, but then just yoink and gone. Um, so I don't know. But, you know, when I was lying on my be- deathbed, suffering for you guys in love, uh, <laughs> I did feel like when I came back to the pulpit, I should try harder to even be more honest about my life with you. And so there is one thing I want to say about angel stuff. Every once in a while, there's a beeping. I just need to acknowledge that. True fact, church, right? Um, every once in a while, when I'm worshiping or when I'm praying, I feel like something goes like this to me. Like, it, something flitzes my hair. And I, because I, I'm, a, I'm a skeptic, I'm a Holy Spirit skeptic, just so you know. Like, if somebody says, the Holy Spirit said to me, there's always a part of me that goes first, like, it's like, yeah, prove it. You know, and, I, and it's from my upbringing, I took some science in the class, you're always supposed to test everything first. And so I'm initially a skeptic, and, and this has happened for years. It's been like, it's been years I'm in worship, I'm just doing my thing, and then it feels like somebody, and then I look around for one of the kids, I'm just like, ah! Or I'm praying, and it does this again, and so I don't know what that is. But it seems weird that it's only when I'm praying or worshiping that it happens. And so, I don't know. Do you think you could live like that, where we're just like, yeah, of course angels. Like the Bible says angels. The Bible says the angels come to church sometimes. For me, I think if an angel comes and you don't realize it was there, but it still does its job, that's not the biggest deal. I think scripture says one time that it says, don't stop showing hospitality because through this, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. And you know what? That's not a condemnation. You had an angel at your house and you didn't know it. Fool. No, it's more like, <laughs> just keep doing good and God can send his angels. And whether you figure it out or not, no harm done because the angel's going to do the mission God sent him for. But... The Bible does say that nobody, Philip, had an angel come and say, you've got to go for a walk. And then the Holy Spirit talked to him. Again, I don't know exactly how, was it an audible voice? Was it just like an unction or a desire in his heart? Um, for me, my, my gold zone with being led by the Spirit is I just expect the Spirit to put ideas in me and for me to think like it's a good idea. That's my, my gold zone, like... I should phone that person. Yeah, that's a good idea. And then I'll try it. And I don't always expect it to be like a nuclear bomb of glory every time it goes off. But that's where I fit naturally. I expect the Holy Spirit just to give me ideas and desires that are scriptural and good. And then I just run with it. And if it's a good idea, that's fine. And if it's not a good idea, that's just normal Rob anyways. So. And I love that there's such a mix in this. There's like the angel thing. And then there's the spirit thing. And then. Philip is also ready to deep dive into Old Testament prophecy with somebody. And then that very strange passage where it talks about him being snatched away or teleported. I said one time it was translated to somebody or two, and I misunderstood something there, so I was wrong there. So please forgive me, I'm correcting myself. It doesn't say translated, it says snatched away. But just look at, look at how God meets Philip in the midst of crisis to keep him being fruitful. 
because that's what Philip wanted to do. And he had faith for it because he was worshiping a Jesus who bought his salvation and the Holy Spirit by saying yes to God in the midst of his own humiliating injustice. Okay, I think I've talked about scripture enough. So, these little sheets of paper. This is what they look like. One more click. There we go. I don't know if you can read it from there. It's just like a prayer list. It says Holy Spirit Activity Prayer List. Again, there's some there, there's some there, and there's some at the Welcome Center. And it just says, ask God to put someone on your on our heart to pray for, and then let them know. That's pretty easy. God, put somebody on my heart to pray for. You pray for them, and then you text them. Hey, I prayed for you today. See what happens. Ask God to give us a picture or encouragement for somebody, and ask if we are to share it. Right, so you're just praying, God, do you have an encouragement for somebody? Do you have a picture that I could share with somebody to encourage them? Do you want me to share it? Do you want me to just pray over it? Or do you want me to share that? This is a bit more risk-taking. No one's going to feel weird if you say you were praying for them. But if you say, I had this picture, and Mario was in it, and he ate this orange mushroom, which made his head big, but his body small, you know, whatever it is. That's a bit more risk-taking. But nothing ventured, nothing gained. Third one, ask God to make your work or errands a time where God uses you. Jackie and I joke around now that we don't call it Superstore, but we call it Supernatural Store, because whenever we go to it, we're expecting the Lord to do something kind of cool and crazy. So one of the latest ones that happened there was there was this gal who was running food through the checkout, and Jackie just played a trick on her. She asked her, hey, uh, what's the best chocolate bar here? And the lady says her chocolate bar, and Jackie buys it, and then gives it to her for a snack. And it's like, aw. And then next time we were at the store, the same lady was there. So Jackie buys the chocolate bar, and then chases her down and gives it to her, because she was just heading on a break. And then I was there a day or two later, and, you know, I'm oblivious to everything. And so I just bought my one thing. You know, guy, this is gals, they make it a trip. Guys just go back for one thing over and over and over again. And so I was there for my one thing and I went to a lineup and I look up and it's that gal again. And I'm just like, I gotta do it. So I bought the chocolate bar and I gave it to her and I said, you know my wife, you know the, the short brunette, she keeps buying these things. She'd be really happy if I bought this for you. And she said, you need to tell your wife that she really made my day because I needed that, that that happened. And so, hey, it's Supernatural Store. Go there on mission, ask the Holy Spirit to do something, anything. The next one says, ask God for an encouragement, sorry, to encounter with an old friend. Now, we've been doing this with the staff for a few weeks already. And this was the one where I I told the Lord, I don't have any expectations here from you, Jesus. Because I'm not from around here, you know. I'm an import model. Um, (laughs) I've been eating farmer sausage by the ton for years. And I still don't totally feel like I fit in, but I'm going to keep working on it. But just, there's this idea of you run into people from the past, you have this opportunity to connect with them. And But this was here, but I told the Lord I didn't need this one. Well, lo and behold, a week or two after we started doing this with, with the staff, I find that I'm out for coffee with John Story, who's, who I haven't seen in 20 years since he was in Gateway and I was there for eight months and then they're here for a bit. And I'm sitting there going, Word to Herc? Like, 
I'm having coffee with somebody I haven't seen in 20 years. This is that thing I told God he didn't need to do because it was impossible. And then a couple of weeks later, we're still doing on this thing. My, my, my twin brother sends me a picture. He says, hey, guess who I ran into? And he's taking a picture with a guy, and it's Kevin, who was my best friend in grade one and two and three, who I haven't seen since I was 10 years old. And they ran into each other in Nowheresville, northern B.C., and because it's my twin brother and we're like identical, it counts. You know, it's like he ran into me. <laughs> we're genetically the same being. Because God just likes to mess with people. You're all individuals. Except for the identical twins. You're the same thing. But I'm looking at this picture out of nowhere and I'm like, God, you did it again. <laughs> I got a picture of someone I haven't seen in 30 years out of nowhere. And it happened again one more time. And so this was the, I, I, I counted myself out and the Lord is like, don't do that, Rob. Like that time I told God I never wanted to be a pastor. You don't do that to God. He, he gets a little like provoked when you tell him what he can and can't do with your life. It's not wise. Another one, ask God for an encounter to bring or invite someone to church. And, and if this thing stresses you out, you can add and let it feel natural. Right? I think this is the stressor for a lot of us. I don't want to be awkward. I don't want to be that guy. Hey, great to see you pumping up with gas. You know, there's another way to get gas in your life. Real power in your life is church. <laughs> what are you doing on Sunday? Where I'll pick you up. I got a lot of gas in my car. I just filled up. So I'll come and get you. <laughs> you know, so lots of people don't want to be, some of you are like, you can do that. You know, I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> Yeah. I've invited 50 people. Nobody's come. No. You can ask the Holy Spirit for it to be natural. You can ask the Holy Spirit to bring you to somebody who's looking for something like that or like this. Keep Put, put more and more of the responsibility on the Lord. Because we're just here to be his servants. But we get to enjoy the fun and enjoy the excitement and have our faith built up by seeing God in action. You can ask God to convict you of a mindset that is sin or a hindrance in your life. Oh, not quite as exciting. However, this is one way to think about it. When God finds us, we are a rusted out avail. His plan is to turn us into a Tesla Model 3. Or whatever you like. Ford 150, whether or not it's lightning, it's your choice. The, the trick is this. That transformation happens one piece at a time. He takes off a tire, he puts on the improved tire. Takes off a headlight, he puts in the new headlight. Takes off your grimy steering wheel, puts on the new steering wheel. Takes off the rusty doors, puts on the new doors. We call this the sanctification process, being transformed into who we were without Jesus, into who we are when we look just like Jesus and are still ourselves. But if you knew you were going to be transformed into something awesome, like one of those self-landing rocket ships, which I can't even believe happened, wouldn't you want God to do that as fast as possible? If your choice is staying the rusted out of AO or being more quickly transformed into the glorious you you are when you are just full of Jesus, well, that's what I'm talking about there. God, show me what's going wrong in here that's keeping me from becoming who you've made me to be. And it's great. Do you have a story about that, Taylor? 
So you can pray for a fight verse. You can ask the Lord if he has any spiritual gifts he wants you to grow on, grow in. But this is my heart. Okay, Taylor's on the lookout for the Holy Spirit to do some stuff. And suddenly events start happening, which are actually really fun and encouraging. Okay, this is what I'm going to say. If you're bored with church, are you sure you're not part of the problem? That your faith in what the living God could do through you is so low that you can't see him or don't even, wouldn't even see him if he did something. Wouldn't it be a better way to live like you actually expect the Holy Spirit that lives in you to make your life exciting as you serve him because you can see the hand of God moving through your life? It's a better way to live. Where your, your, your confidence is God, it keeps getting fueled because you keep seeing him do stuff like smacking a lady in the face who actually wanted a prayer list about the Holy Spirit. Of course, we know that we engineered that, right? We were just doing our like Holy Spirit desire scans on people and we were just throwing papers off the top of the SCU hoping it would hit somebody. And because this story was about Philip, we can save me too. And I think there's just such a key. I just want to talk especially to the people who just feel still kind of wounded. Count yourself out. I don't know what can drain the excitement and enjoyment of being led by Jesus as much as having some bitterness in your heart towards God or other people. Or having some resentment. Maybe something's happened in your life or in your church life and you're still, if you're honest, kind of like mad at God about it. You're frustrated with the Lord. How come you let that happen? Or how come this happened? I know that's natural and I know that's human. But I do also need to say that where that little thought will persist will totally drain your joy in being led by the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says in Ephesians that resentment and bitterness actually grieves the Holy Spirit. It hurts him. It makes him grieve over what's going on in our life. So I think sometimes maybe you just need to ask yourself, do you need to be like Jesus and just say, okay, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to say yes to the next things in God. I'm not going to judge God for what he allowed in my life because if, if it's a crime for God to allow someone suffering in someone's life, then it was a crime for God to allow suffering in Jesus' life. And he shouldn't forgive us because Jesus died. He should punish us because Jesus died. But because we know God, even the hard things can have a good plan that God works out in our life. And we've got to just let go of that resentment, let go of that bitterness, and just say, I want a life filled up with the life of God and life of the Spirit. And help me to see you moving, God, because that's where the joy... Do you think Philip felt maybe a little bit excited after the teleportation? <laughs> maybe a bit spooked. <laughs> but do you think he felt, I wonder if God's real? Do you think he wondered... I wonder if God still does miracles today. (laughs) I know that the eunuch went his way rejoicing. And Philip too. And that's ours in the Lord. The joy of the Lord being used by Jesus even in the midst of catastrophe. It is possible. So I'm going to invite the team to come up and worship. If you, are, if you have your purple tag on this morning, 
you know, if you're hungry for this and you'd like someone just to kind of bless you in saying yes to the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to keep your eyes open, you're going to pray and keep your eyes open, maybe we'll set up something for sharing some testimonies. Eight dollars a month to share testimonies. (laughs) If it works for Twitter. But this is what I want for you. I want for you to know I am walking with God. And even if something crazy happens, I can keep walking with God in the Holy Spirit. Just like Philip. So God, would you come and move in our lives? Now I'm going to pray for real, for real. Father God, this is our inheritance in the church. When Jesus went back up to heaven, he didn't send our shower of gold coins over the church so we could be rich, 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 rich. He sent the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit into the church so that in every situation we have your presence and we can do what you want us to do. And Lord, I want the life of the Spirit in everybody here. I don't even want to pick what it is. I want you to take them on a journey of getting used to being led by you. And I want you to take them on a journey of figuring out being discipled by you. And I want you to take them on a journey of knowing the excitement of seeing God work through them no matter who they think they are. Father, I want you to enjoy this. Father, do what makes you happiest with us. Father, do the delight of doing the stuff that shows your glory to a people who believe in your glory. That would be amazing. And all God's people said, Amen.